So this morning we're going to move on to chapter 3 of Ruth. Um, So as we get seated and comfortable, let's start with the word of prayer that the Lord would give us His blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word that we can study it and know you and pray that you would open up your truth to us, that we would latch on to it and that you would grow our faith. In Christ's name, amen. So today we come to chapter 3 and we kind of started in chapter 3 last week as we looked at Naomi's um, scheme to uh, get Ruth married to Boaz and Um, But we're going to kind of go back and look at that again as we go through this. Um, And as we go through it, I'd like you to think about something. Uh, Holidays. Do you have a favorite holiday that you look forward to every year? Christmas. Christmas. Your birthday. Sure. You have a holiday you look forward to. You look forward to the not doing what you have to normally do. You look forward to the food you get to eat, the people you get to celebrate with. Um, So you anticipate that holiday. You look for that holiday, it comes, you enjoy that holiday, then it's over. And then then it's a whole other year away. So we kind of set our hope in that upcoming holiday and anticipate it, and then it passes. So we saw last week that glimmer of hope that Naomi got when she saw Boaz come into the picture as the Redeemer. And we're going to look this week at more into at what she's looking at as she lays out this plan for Ruth. Is she setting her hope on a rest that ends at death, that passes away? Or is she looking to that rest to come that will never pass away? So we're going to be considering Ruth's plan for, or Naomi's plan for Ruth as she seeks rest for Ruth. We're going to look at um, Boaz and Ruth as they show loving kindness toward Naomi and securing that rest for her. We're going to look at the the rest that Boaz pledges to give Naomi. And then we're going to briefly look at the heavenly rest to come. So as we go through the lesson, think about those things you set your hope in. It could be a holiday. It could be a bank account. It could be any sort of thing like that. And... Think about this as the main idea. Set your hope on the rest to come. For God in loving kindness has secured that rest in the Redeemer. So our points are going to be Naomi seeks rest for Ruth. That will go through verse 6. Boaz and Ruth exhibit loving kindness in, in procuring a greater rest for Naomi. And that's verses 7 through 14. And then Naomi receives a pledge of rest to come, a greater rest to come. That's verses 15 through 18. And then the last thing we'll look at is just the connection to the heavenly rest to come. So first of all, uh, the question that I have for you is, as we look at 1 through 6, and and we're going to read it, think about that rest that Naomi's talking about. And where has that come up before? So we're going to read it, and I'll ask you, does that strike in? Is that familiar to you? Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, this is verse 1 of chapter 3, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? 
Is not Boaz a relative with whom with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. So you see Naomi asking Ruth, Should I not seek rest for you that it may go well with you? Where have we seen that before from Naomi? Chapter 1, what, what was happening there? Find rest in, in the house of your husband um, to go back to Moab and seek rest under the, under the, in the house of a husband. And so what things would this rest have brought Ruth? What does that mean? What, 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 what would that have brought rest? What, what rest? what would that rest have brought Ruth as far as what did what she get? She's a... Physical and bodily rest in terms of... Shelter. Food and shelter. Yeah. Security. A place in the Standing in the community. Yeah. Okay. Temporal rest. Uh, yeah. In Moab especially. Yeah. Yeah. Safety. Safety. Yeah. Protection. Yeah. And so here in three one, who is Naomi seeking rest for? It's it's pretty plain. I th- I think in, in verse one, shall I not seek rest for you that it may go well with you, Ruth? Of course, she's seeking rest for Ruth. Naomi's seeking to care, seeking Ruth's rest. Yeah. So her primary concern is finding rest for Ruth in terms of security, provision, a place in the community, all those things. And so the plan was to have Ruth go, wash, anoint herself, put on her cloak, go to the threshing floor, and lie down and wait. And Boaz would tell her what to do. She wanted Ruth to get cleaned up, put on something that smelled good, probably take off her clothing that signified her mourning and put on clothing that signified she was back to normal and go and lie down. So what was Naomi's goal? Why did Naomi want Ruth to do this? To get her hitched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... So notice, um, we can see that this was Naomi's goal, Naomi's goal too. In this question she asks in verse 16, she says, in the ESV it's translated, how did you fare, my daughter? Which is, it's one way to put it. In the, I think in the King James Version it's, it says, who are you? Um, but we know Ruth knew who, or Naomi knew this was Ruth because she says, my daughter, 
right, in, in verse 16. But we can see here, Naomi was saying, hey, are you married? Who are you? What is your standing? So the question then rises, didn't Naomi know there was another redeemer? Did she? So if we look back in uh, verse 20 of chapter 2, see, Naomi talking to Ruth says, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So she at least knew that he was one of redeemers, plural, right? So there were other redeemers. And so the question is, what was she, why, what was the process in her thinking here? What, what led her to go to Boaz instead of to the, uh, finding the nearest redeemer? Does anyone have any ideas about that? The worthy man, yeah, an upright, worthy man of might or upstanding man, yeah. Plus, he was showing Ruth favor in giving her this great amount of gleanings that Ruth brought home. So, Naomi, at the end last week, we looked at how Naomi was probably like thinking uh, as Ruth was going throughout the harvest, and we come to the end of the harvest, and then she lived in the house of Naomi, her mother-in-law, at the end of chapter 2. Naomi's probably thinking, why isn't Boaz marrying this girl? He likes her, so let's go get her married. So let's think about this near redeemer thing and and contrast Naomi's seeking of rest for Ruth with Boaz's. uh, How does Boaz go about seeking marriage with Ruth? So why does Boaz go to the nearest redeemer is the question. Does anyone have any guesses before we'll go through that? But a closer relative. Mm-hmm. Closer relative. Yeah. Yep. So one of the things would be that because he had priority, Boaz was granting him the the honor if he chose to take it of redeeming Ruth. Okay. Any other? Yeah, so the the idea of land, a land transaction being tied up. Good. So let's think about both those things in terms of Boaz's character, but also what comes about as a result of the way that Boaz uh, seeks Ruth's hand in marriage, as it were. So um, consider this idea of, of marriage. So back in the Old Testament, <clears throat> how were people married back in the Old Testament days What's that? By arrangement. By arrangement. Yeah. What about ceremonies, witnesses like we do today? Generally, how did that, how is that described in the Old Testament? Do we have much to go on? A betrothal, so that would have to do with the arrangement of marriage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph, yeah. Yeah, think about Isaac and Rebecca or 
or, or those 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 marriages too. A man took a woman and lay with her, and they were married. That's kind of what happened. And and so here, Boaz, that could have been. That's what Naomi was seeking. I, she was saying, Ruth, if Boaz accepts you, he will marry you. He will just marry you, and you'll be married. And that's why she says, "Who are you?" Boaz, though, he seeks the honor to give the other redeemer his right to to be honorable, but also. See what happens as they go before witnesses at the gate later, in, and we'll come to that in chapter 4. But think about Jeremiah, Jeremiah 32 has this example of Jeremiah purchasing a field. And um, signifying that at the end of the... Uh, in, uh, so chapter 32 of Jeremiah, 6 through 15, at the end of the chapter is, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. So Jeremiah purchases his land before witnesses in the court of law, takes the deed before witnesses, and it's a, it's a legitimate witnessed um, transaction that shows that Yahweh, the God of Israel, will again allow land to be bought here. So it's, it's a uh, legitimizing the transaction. In chapter 4, Boaz goes before the elders of the gate as witnesses to this transaction. And think about the contrast between what would have happened if Naomi's plan had worked versus what happened the way that Boaz went. In chapter 4 of verse 11, you see this great blessing that was given. Then all the people who were at the gate and elders said, We are witnesses. May Yahweh make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Epathra and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So because of Boaz's careful, righteous, um, and and um, lawful way of going about this, we see that this, this blessing given up to them that would not have come the way Naomi sought it. So it legitimizes the marriage to Ruth even more so on the one hand with the witnesses being there and seeing the transaction as as she is brought into the house of Boaz. Does that make sense? So if she would, it's even more so a transaction that is legitimate than if she would have just simply married Boaz that night. Does, does that make sense? I stated that way differently than I had it in my notes. So. Excuse me. So, so as we think about how Ruth and Boaz go about this, let's go to verses 3 and 17 and see how Ruth and Boaz exhibit loving kindness in procuring a greater rest for Naomi. So verses 7 through 14. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by Yahweh, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, rather, have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. 
I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as Yahweh lives, I will redeem you. Lay down until morning. Remember something we talked about last week? It, it's the idea of a love, the loving kindness, the, the covenant faithfulness, the looking out for one another. That The word is hesed in the Hebrew. And it's, the idea is the life of hesed lived out that we see exhibited by Ruth and Boaz. And as we see this demonstrated through, throughout the book of Ruth, think about whose character is really being displayed here. Whose character is really being displayed here? God's covenant, covenant love for his people. God's covenant love for his people, yeah. So as we read this, don't forget that behind it all, God is telling us who he is. So Ruth, now, was instructed by Naomi to ask Boaz to redeem her. Is that correct? Was Ruth instructed by Naomi to ask Boaz to redeem her? No, she said he'll tell you what you need to do. Yeah. Um, you may have referenced this in the past. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But my study notes mentions Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy 25? Yeah. You mentioned it? I will mention it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the Leveret marriage. Yeah, that's, that's a commentary. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Pilgrim's Bible. Yeah, we will talk about that, actually. Yeah. It's the, the idea of the, uh, that the brother of a deceased man goes into his brother's wife to produce offspring for his brother so that his name would not be blotted out in Israel. That's kind of the... God's provision to ensure that the name of the family would not be blotted out. So yeah, yeah. So and Ruth was not instructed to ask Boaz to redeem her. It's it's one of those dramatic turns that we see in Ruth throughout Ruth. It's it's a very well written um, story, as it were. It is a story, but it is his story too. And the and the author is is a really a pretty gifted author, as 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 we see the the drama. And of course, God as the author. Of course. So Ruth was not instructed. She she actually says to Boaz, Hey, Boaz, you do as I instruct. She kind of flips it. So look at how she asks him to cover her. In verse, in verse 9. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. And... And I really like how the ESV translates it. Uh, and I know different translations say it differently. They, but the ESV says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Some translations say um, cover cover or a corner of your garment or something to that effect. Does anyone have a different translation? Uh, NAS says, so spread your covering over your Spread your covering over your maiden. Maid. Spread before the wing of thy garment. The wing of thy garment in the... Is that the G- Geneva? For thou art the kinsman. For thou art the kinsman. <laughs> yep. Nice. 
So, yeah. Boaz used that same phrase. Yeah. In chapter two, in verse twelve. Yeah. That may God take you under His wing. It's the same. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So Ruth here is asking Boaz, in a, in essence, to answer the prayer that Boaz had given in chapter two, that that the Lord give a full reward to Ruth as she sought shelter under the wings of Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. And and we see, um, so that was actually, that, no, that was a question I was going to ask. Yeah, that's very good. We see that word is intentionally used by Ruth as she reflects back on what Boaz has said. Yeah. So what is she asking Boaz to do then when she says, spread your wing over me? Yeah. Marry me. Be me. Yeah, it, we actually see that of the Lord as he talks about his people in uh, Ezekiel 16, talking about his, his, the infidelity of his people, but how he, he saw them. And when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. That's Ezekiel 16. But yeah, we see that. She was asking Boaz to marry her. Now, we also see here, Boaz's reaction shows Ruth's intent. What was Ruth giving up? What was she going for? What, who's, who's, on whose behalf was she acting here? So if we look at verse 10... Boaz says that this kindness was greater than the last. The fr- Why would he say that? So the last kindness would have been Ruth. You know, Boaz in chapter 2 sees Ruth and she's a worthy woman. And um, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. So she left her people. She left her gods. She clung to Naomi. Took her people as her as Ruth Ruth took Naomi's people as her people and Naomi's God as her God. Boaz says this kindness is greater than the last. What? Why is it greater? So Ruth, Boaz says that about Ruth not following after, she could follow for passion, for wealth, for whatever she wanted. But we see throughout this chapter, Ruth's referred to as Ruth, where previously she was always Ruth the Moabitess. And it seems that she's been accepted. We see that the town agrees she's a worthy woman. Um, She's been accepted into the community. And Boaz says, yeah, what is this kindness that Ruth is showing demonstrate then that what Ruth is willing to do? Go, go to the traditions of, of Israel. In order. Of Yahweh. Of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. In order to produce that Deuteronomy 25 passage that we were talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To, to continue the family. 
to continue the family name on, on for the sake of Naomi. So Ruth was giving up her rights and she was showing that she indeed was clinging to Naomi and acting on Naomi's behalf in order to secure that, that permanent name in Israel for Naomi. And so Deuteronomy 25, 5 through uh, 6 says, If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as a wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall be succeed. The first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted, blotted out of Israel. So what, what's it mean to be blotted out of Israel, by the way? Well, thinking of uh, why does God give us this, why does he give us this law? What is what does the idea of being blotted out bring to mind in terms of ultimate sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Blotted out of the book of life. Um, you can think about uh, Exodus 32, maybe, where Moses intercedes for the people and says, blot me out if you're going to blot these people out. Or, so we see that the idea of blotting out means the life will cease to exist from before the presence of God, as it were. Um, the same word, by the way, also appears in Genesis 6 and 7 when it talks about the Lord um, wiping out all living flesh from from before him in judgment. So, um, so for the other main passage, though, referring to this redemptive... Because Deuteronomy 25 isn't exactly what we see here in the redemption of Ruth. So we can go to Leviticus 25. It's pretty easy to remember. 25, 25. So Leviticus, Leviticus the whole chapter of 25, pretty much gives us the, the law of redemption. And so the idea is if you were poor, you could sell your land to a, a person. Or you could sell yourself to a person. And, and then if you had a relative near to you, that relative could redeem you by paying the purchase price back in order to bring you out of slavery or in order to bring your land back into your possession. Does that make, make sense there? So we kind of see a connection of both of these concepts that shows us something about the heart of God for his people. What, what does this kind of show us about what God desires for his people Mercy, connect it to um, a name and a land, right? So we have a, a an inheritance, imperishable, never fading. Peter references. Peter, a Peter. Yeah, undefiled. Yeah, the Lord God does not desire that his people's name perish from before him. Or that, and, and then think of, um, the, what, what are the meek going to inherit? The earth. The earth. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. There's an inheritance that will never pass away. There's a name that will never pass away. And we see, we see this, uh, what this points forward to as we consider, look at Joshua 
you don't have to look there, but Joshua 21, 44, it talks about the rest that the Lord God gives his people as they come into the land. He gives them rest on every side from their enemies. Um, the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. And we see this also when in uh, when Solomon, talking about Solomon's, the rest that was brought to the land at the reign of Solomon. And then, of course, in Hebrews, we see this just string of the faithful saints that have gone before. And at the end, it tells us what these promises and what this earthly rest and what these types and shadows were pointing to. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirty nine through 40. And all these referring to those people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Samson, Ruth, Boaz, um, all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So we see that this points, this, this, these, this law of redemption, the, the law that said to raise up the name of the brother who had died, these were all pointing forward to something greater. So in seeking to provide Naomi this offspring, Naomi gives up her own rights for the sake of Naomi. She sacrifices, and we see Boaz seeing this and telling her in verse 10, May you be blessed by Yahweh, my daughter, for you have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Boaz now is showing his loving kindness here and his willingness to take on the cost of Naomi's redemption. So he goes into verse 12. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then... As Yahweh lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. So we've seen in the laws of redemption the heart of God for his people. As he as he gives us it gives them a way for their name and their land never to be lost to them. And, and so as God acts through Boaz, we also see through the generosity of Boaz, the generosity of our of our God. So what's the idea of redemption? What does that mean? Does anyone know? Justification. Purchase price. Purchase price. A ransom. Yeah. The idea is kind of the idea of those who are powerless and in a desperate situation that they can't get out of themselves are brought out of that situation and restored to rightness by someone else. And so, of course, the great paradigm in the Old Testament for redemption is what? As far as the story of the Israelites is concerned? What's that? Dry land, their passage, right? From Egypt, out of Egypt, through the sea. Yeah, the Exodus. So in, in Egypt, the people cried out to Yahweh, and he redeemed them out of Egypt by his outstretched arm, by the blood of a Passover lamb. So we see Yahweh, he's the kinsman redeemer of Israel, whom he calls his firstborn son, by the way, in Exodus 4. And so as he, um, 
as he brings them out, we see this, that redemption includes this idea of a people in bondage who cannot get themselves out of bondage and of someone paying a price to redeem them out of that bondage. Now, what did Yahweh pay? He is God. What did he pay? Ultimately, the price of his old son, own son, which, what was pointing forward to that? Yeah, the Passover lamb, the blood of the lamb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see in the Song of Moses then, in Exodus 15, Moses connects God's loving kindness to redemption. In verse 13, you have led in your steadfast love, or loving kindness, or hesed, the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. So, redemption is tied to the loving kindness of God. Boaz is acting in loving kindness to to Ruth and to Naomi. And Boaz is going to pay a price for Naomi's redemption. So, do we see what Boaz is giving up? Or what would Boaz have to do? What's the price of this redemption? It may not be obvious from the text, but... He sacrifices any benefit he might get from the land to the children that might come from it. And in that, he's also supporting Naomi and Ruth at his own cost. And we even see a small token of what this costs him as he gives later in the chapter here a token of barley, six measures of barley to take home to Naomi. And that's our transition into our third point, that Naomi receives the pledge of a greater rest. I've got some questions here. So, first question. It's a test, right? Are there any unnecessary words in Scripture? Well, that was quick. Thanks. No, there are not. So, look at... Let's read this now, the last part of of this uh, chapter, 15 through 18. Or, it's 14 through 18. So, she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize one another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Or, Who are you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So thinking about words and scripture, can anyone give me the unit of measurement that Boaz uses in giving Ruth this barley? Was it an ephah? Was it a seah? Was it an omer? Was it a bushel? Well, yeah, that would be an ephah, yes. Yeah. But here, when it says measures, as it's translated. Yeah, it doesn't say. Yeah. Now, it, it could be a good amount, because he says he put it on her. But it doesn't say. But what does it specify? There was a good measure. There's a good amount. 
or mantle. So she would have used her outer garment. He would have scooped, put these scoops into her outer garment, and she would have carried it home. Yeah. But so thinking about how much he gave her, though, what's specified? So it was a good amount, but not a specific amount. What was specific? Six measures. Six. Six. And how many times is that in there, by the way? Twice. Yeah. Why? Does anyone have any ideas what the number six might represent there? Six measures of barley, too, by the way. It's food. Seven's the number of completeness. Yeah, something's missing. Yeah? That's good. Yeah? Uh, I was thinking about, um, and thinking about this, uh, like the manna that Israel was to gather for six days. But what happened on the seventh day? They rested. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that neat? Um, Naomi, too, seems to understand the meaning of this. If, if you look, she says, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle this matter today. She seems to understand Boaz is telling her, I will do all the work needed to secure your rest. You see how Naomi sees that there? And by the way, the word there for rest is not the same word in, in verse 1 when Naomi seeks rest. Um, but but it's, it's a similar idea. Boaz will be restless. He will, be, he will work until it's settled. Um, that's kind of the connotation there. With Ruth and her rest, it's a security, a rest in the home of a husband type of rest. But, but, um, but it's connected because Boaz is working to secure that rest for Ruth. And that's his unrest. Does that make sense? So Boaz gives Yahweh, he does not give Yahweh a token. He gives Naomi a token of the rest that Yahweh brings. What are some of the things in chapter 1? If you go back to chapter 1, and I better, I better hurry it up here, but what are some of the things that the Lord told Naomi? No, that Naomi said, Yahweh, her God, had done to her. So, what's the list? The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Yep. Brought me back empty. Yep. And we see testified against me, dealt very bitterly with me, brought calamity upon me in addition to those things. But the empty, yes, yeah. Think about that and look at what Boaz says to Ruth. You must not go in verse 17 there. You must not go back to your mother-in-law. Well, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And and guess what that word is? You must not go back empty to your mother-in-law. So what's Boaz saying then? What what is what is what is um, God doing here through Boaz? Visible sign of promise. Visible sign of promise, but also Naomi's complaint. Definitely. Boaz is turning that around here. 
saying, your emptiness is going to be filled. He gives her a token that has to do with filling her belly, which is why Naomi left Bethlehem in the first place. But also this token is a token of filling her lap, as we will see in chapter 4 as Obed is born, the uh, Redeemer. And so, of course, the verse four or point 4 um, is the promised rest that we see promised to Israel points to the heavenly rest to come. And um, just in considering these things, I know... Uh, many of this, many of us are very familiar with these truths, but they're so uh, wonderful when you connect it all together. Um, the work that leads us to rest is completed by our Redeemer, not by us. So, as we consider the redemption of Israel out of Egypt, God did this by might, His mighty hand of power to bring them out by the blood of a Passover lamb. And we see Christ, of course, securing our rest at his own cost, working his work of obedience and death on the cross to redeem us. In Mark 10.45, for he, he, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. And then that great portion of Scripture, which Brett, we, he preached to Revelation, but Revelation 5, 6 through 10 And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Worthy are you, by the way. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe, including Moab, and language and people and nation. It doesn't say including Moab, by the way. That's inserted. But And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Isn't that wonderful? And so, of course, that rest to come is our our glorious and eternal rest. So as we conclude, we, we've looked at how Naomi sought rest for Ruth and what she was seeking, and then looked at how Boaz and Ruth went about securing rest for Naomi in their loving kindness. And then we've, we've looked at that token of that Boaz gives Naomi of that greater rest to come, which points forward to our heavenly rest. And so, as we go through life and we're setting our hopes upon a rest, a holiday, a bank account, a new car, remember, set your hope on that rest to come. For God in His loving kindness has secured that rest in the Redeemer. So, it's wonderful. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us, and we thank you that you show us throughout your scriptures who you are, and pray that you would impress this upon our hearts and upon our minds, and um, as we go throughout the week, in Jesus' name, amen.